Welcome to episode 16 of the Pregactive Podcast, where we talk about cesarean section recovery with women's health physiotherapist, Beth Scott. Hi, I'm Karen, the founder of Pregactive, and through this Pregactive Podcast, I'm going to help you to feel empowered, informed, and confident through your pregnancy and motherhood journey as we talk all things health, mind, and fitness. And welcome. So I am so excited to be here with our women's health physiotherapist, Beth Scott, talking about cesarean section recovery. It's a huge topic. Lots and lots of women either have a cesarean either planned or an emergency. So they're going through their pregnancy not knowing whether they're going to end up with a cesarean. So really important for all pregnant women to have these tools and tips that we're going to talk about, um, but then obviously applicable to women who have had a cesarean and are interested in um, optimizing their recovery. So welcome, Beth. If you want to just give us a brief introduction, because Beth has actually been in previous podcasts, so make sure you head back, listen to our running in pregnancy and post-pregnancy podcast with Beth, and also our pelvic floor examination podcast but just a quick intro into who you are Beth. Yep so so I'm Beth um, I've been a physiotherapist for now 13 years and I've got a special interest in pregnancy and postpartum and work very closely with women across their um, pregnancy motherhood journey. Um, I work both in private practice in Melbourne and one of the major private hospitals in Melbourne on the maternity ward. So, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to talking about this topic because I see it all the time. Exactly. Perfect. And I think one thing leading into this is talking about pelvic floor because there is a myth that if you have a cesarean section postpartum, you don't have to worry as much about pelvic floor. Yes and no. Um, I think it's obviously really important that we always focus on the pelvic floor, particularly in pregnancy, um, because pregnancy is what can leave, lead to pelvic floor dysfunction as opposed to the birth itself. So if you do have a Caesar, yes, technically you're at lower risk of pelvic floor dysfunction. Um, there's, no, there's no doubt about that, but it doesn't mean that you are completely... Um, fine from getting any issues either so and the other thing to consider as well is um, going into your um, caesar if it's a planned caesar um, pregnancy is the best time to really learn about your pelvic floor and really establish a strong baseline of where you're at so that your recovery is a lot better as well um, trying to learn it after a caesar is really tricky so getting in early during, during pregnancy is, is really beneficial if you know that you're going to have a Caesar anyway. Yeah, definitely. Perfect. So hear that, ladies. Do your pelvic floor exercises. <laughs> <laughs> is really important. So obviously the wound is a, a big topic and something a lot of women who have a C-section 
are interested in optimizing the healing process of that. Yeah, so it really starts from your time in hospital and those early few weeks when you get home. Um, Depending on the type of dressing you've been given by the hospital obstetrician, the the choice that they've used, um, depends on sort of how you approach um, your care. Um, the really big one is trying to keep it dry um, and really trying to keep an eye on um, the basics of making sure there's no infection or anything like that. Um, generally leaving it alone and trying not to poke around it too much is, is key. But there are some little things that you can do that some obstetrician, obstetricians that I know recommend, such as silicon dressings, um, and they come in different forms. And depending on the type that you're using will sort of dictate when you can start using that. They're generally more tailored towards your your mums who are prone to keloid scarring, which is basically a response from the body that goes overboard in producing cells and the scar can become quite thickened. Um, So if you know that you've had that sort of scarring before or basically a a thickening of scars, um, it could be something you could discuss with your obstetrician um, uh, at the time Um, and you can get them at most pharmacies. But um, you basically when you're talking about thickened scars, um, you're you're trying to avoid stretch on it, especially in those early days, um, because if you're straining on it, it's not going to have as um, sort of a tighter appearance as what it otherwise would. Um, but remembering a lot of it comes down to genetics as well. So if you're someone who generally has um, those thicker type scars or perhaps if you haven't had a scar before someone in your family does you're probably more prone to it and and to talk to your obstetrician about it so um, uh, basically in a nutshell keeping it dry trying to avoid poking around with it too much and you can add some extra silicon dressings if you get the okay from your obstetrician. So that's a really good point about the stretch because, you know, I know a lot of women who are eager to get back into moving and they often think that the quicker they get back in, the quicker they're going to recover. And if there's too much done too soon, you're not necessarily going upwards in your progression. It could almost be that you're making things worse and healing the wound is certainly key in that. So that stretching and that movement could even be like what, getting up too quick or lifting too heavy, those sort of things? Yeah, if you're talking about the surface, um, the skin itself, those tasks um, won't generally strain on the skin. It would be more if you overstretched um, extending backwards um, or there was like a pull against it. Um, But on probably a more important note, it's the tissues below that that would be more affected by those things that you talked about. So that's why they um, hospitals always give out information once you go home about your do's and don'ts in those early few weeks after having a Caesar. There's specific rules that we really encourage you to follow, as frustrating as they can be, especially after the first couple of weeks when you're feeling a lot more um, on top of things. Um, but they serve a purpose to try and get that healing to, to happen optimally as quickly as possible and so it doesn't prolong your recovery um, and make 
make it, you know, a long drawn out process unnecessarily. Mm. Um, It's very rare to actually get so much of a strain on the the um, the wound itself that it that it would actually open beyond sort of the skin level but we don't want to try to get to anywhere near that level anyway we, we really want to try and keep the pressure low so um, for example some of the, the things that we we really push for are not lifting anything heavier than the weight of your baby or babies if you've had twins um, so they're combined weight so um, and that's generally speaking for the first at least four weeks but I know a lot of obstetricians say six weeks um, and so that can be quite tricky because coordinating you know holding your baby and perhaps an, a, a, a nappy bag or lifting the pram in and out of the car and things as your as those weeks roll on and you're feeling up to it really trying to hold back on those tasks because that's what's going to really optimise the speed of your recovery more than anything. Um, And and really trying to um, be careful about sort of reaching up high or squatting down low, particularly in those first few weeks. Um, It's it's one of those ones where we usually say, you know, you might need to rearrange the nursery so it's all at your height and, you know, the nappies are ready to go at your height and, um, you know, different... um, wipes or um burp cloths or anything that you need regularly it's not in a tucked away place because that's where it just gets stored because you'll find it really hard to get to after you've had a caesar if it's not ready to go kind of thing that's a really good point and i think we do things particularly as women we multitask all the time right and one thing often I found, I mean, I didn't have a cesarean section, but this is applicable, is I was carrying my baby, newborn baby in a carrier, Mm -hmm. and I thought I could put out the washing. Mm -hmm. And there was two things that happened there. One, I was holding a basket full of wet Mm-hmm. clothes which is obviously heavy, heavy. Yeah. and then carrying my baby which is like you said that's heavy enough for mm-hmm. me at that time I think I was only a couple of weeks postpartum yeah. and then it was the matter of going down and up mm. to put the clothes onto the clothesline which is hard with the carrier <laughs> it's not it's it's convenient so one in one sense because you've got your hands free but you, you you're limited with sort of where you can move with it yeah And then that's just one thing I would love every woman to be mindful of is, yes, if you're carrying your baby, great. You know, it's a beautiful bonding time, but you also need to be aware of that that is that extra weight Mm. putting, you know, onto not only thinking about your wound, but also your pelvic floor and just your body in general because you're tired and you're in recovery mode. But also then, yeah, exactly. I remember having being in the kitchen whole, you know, with the carrier and having to hold on to the bench top to get down low and then help myself up. And it's like, you know what, maybe I should have shouldn't have done it. (laughs) (laughs) And also in those early weeks, you you've gone from this huge transition from being, you know, 38, 39, 40 odd weeks pregnant with a with belly out front to suddenly baby's out and your core your 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 center of gravity is totally shifted so um having to sort of manipulate around that and and support your back while you move as well can be challenging so I wouldn't be adding extra strain to that without reason you know it's it's not it's not a time to you know do as much as you can 
just just because you know you're you're at home and there's lots of things probably around you to do it's you need to focus on that time when you're recovery and and slowing things right down I, I say to everyone in the hospital after they've had a Caesar, you've had major abdominal surgery. It's just that after other major abdominal surgeries, you don't have a baby to look after. That's the challenge. Or, or even a toddler on top of that, if, you, if you're going for number two or number three or more. So, you know, it's, it's a challenge. And this is where you've got to get that help in, whether it's from your partner, your parents and friends. This is where you call upon who you can so that you don't have to do those things. Exactly. And, and, and it seems like a long time, but those first few weeks, it's really a short period of time in your entire life. And it's you, you are going to thank yourself later on, you know, months and years down the track, if you look after yourself in those first few uh, weeks and months. So we spoke about a few things of not to do. So certainly the heavy lifting is really important. But what are, I guess, some things to think about doing? I know a lot of women ask, what are the exercises or what are the things I can do to help assist? Well, for starters, and always to start would be your pelvic floor. Um, So doing activations, Right from when you're in hospital, you're allowed to start doing pelvic floor exercises as soon as your catheter comes out. Um, you know, there's a great opportunity to get into a good rhythm of doing your exercises and creating some good habits or hopefully continuing on your habits from when you're pregnant. Um, but once that catheter's out, which is the key thing, starting your pelvic floor exercises would be the first and foremost thing to do. Um, perhaps when you're in the hospital, you might have um, had the chance to go out of your room and have a little wander of the corridor once you get the all clear. And from that, we build once we're home. So really gentle walking. Um, I'm talking pottering around the house is what you, you get started with. And you have to remember, people have seizures for different reasons. One of the main reasons people would have a seizure in an emergency situation, there was obviously something medically that had to happen fast. So you have to sort of remember what what you went through either during your pregnancy or during the birth as to what you can physically cope with. A lot of women are in their pyjamas at home for the first two weeks or more. You know, it's there's not a big rush to get into things, but walking would be one of the things that you could slowly get into as you feel up to it, as you get the clearance from your healthcare provider. Um, once you're happy around the house, that's when you, you know, you, you emerge and come outside potentially up to your letterbox and back, and then even consider, you know, up to the end of the street and back. And, and this is where you test your pram out, go with your partner or go with a friend, enjoy that vitamin D. Um, this is where you, you start to sort of learn what your body is going to let you and be happy doing. Um, I always recommend after you start doing that, you come back home and have a lie down. Regardless of how easy it felt, you always want to have a lie down because lying down recovery, um, postpartum, whether it's a vaginal birth or a Caesar birth, is a big part of your healing. Um, and it can mean that you recover faster so you can get onto that next walk, perhaps the next day, and see how far you can sort of travel. But there's no, um, I know I often get asked, oh, so week two, week three, week four, how far can I go? It's so variable, again, because there's so much difference in people's pregnancies. If you had bed rest from 20 
20 weeks from a you know a threatened preterm labor or something like that you're going to be on a very different schedule to someone who had an elective caesar a very straightforward pregnancy and um an easygoing recovery afterwards it's there's there's all a whole range of of you know a big spectrum of what you can expect after having a caesar in that sort of first six weeks um, I wouldn't really venture too much further other than potentially some gentle core activation exercises. So that's where people often talk about um, alongside their pelvic floor, some gentle drawing of the belly button to the spine, just something to help activate that tummy again to, to, to feel like you've got some support around the midsection once your pain settles so that you can do that and there's no rush by trying to force that exercise when you're sore, it's it's really not going to get you anywhere. So give yourself that time um, afterwards, and 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 that's basically what I usually recommend in that first six weeks. It's it's pretty simple because you've got a lot of other stuff to do. Okay. Exactly, and and that's the thing. I often work with women who I'm saying to them, you might get frustrated at how slow this is at the start, but trust me and I have to say that because if they trust me and know that this gentle exercise is going to help progress and progress and progress then we're in a good stead if they're going to happy to listen and happy to take it at that progressive state then great which is why module one of the core rehab postpartum is literally all lying down exercises mm. on yep. your back it's so gentle the cueing is so about a really slow activation gentle and maybe you know work really slow with a leg slide or some pelvic tilts those sort of exercises are key in then building you up progressively by the end of the 12 modules of the core rehab you know you're doing squats lunges you know having weights like those sort of things great and that's where we want you to be when you feel ready which is why particularly in my program i'm not saying it's a 12 week program because for everybody, it's different. You could be on module two for, yeah. you know, three or four weeks if you need that time. Yes. And that's what I did for myself. I actually finished it at five months postpartum. That's when I progressed all the way through because I stayed with different weeks. And, you know, there's days you're not necessarily going to get as much exercise as you were hoping to. And you've just got to take it all in because, like you said, you got a baby as well as having this recovery process. So it's really important that you look after yourself. Yeah. On that note, sleep is such a huge factor in all huge. of this, isn't it? So if you're if if you're up all night and really, you know, doing it tough in those early weeks, um, which a lot of women are, it's really hard to expect your body to turn around and do certain tasks and movements with great fluidity and control and things afterwards so you got to just pace yourself a little bit um, and not force yourself through it it's a bit like you know when you when you weren't pregnant before you before you conceived that you know if you weren't feeling well if you were if you were sick you wouldn't go exercise really you know and and you know work up a sweat or anything like that knowing that it would probably set back your recovery of that illness it's the same thing after surgery it's the same thing after birth it's the same thing to let your body it's it, you've only got a finite amount of energy and if a lot of it's getting zapped from your your um 
your motherhood tasks, it's hard to feed that into yourself um, and expect, you know, a predictable thing. So um, some days you'll be feeling really good and you can explore those movements, which at the end of the day, they're no more. If, if, if you're having trouble gauging how much to do, there's no more than what you would expect your body to do in an average movement, you know, getting out of bed or, um, you know, rolling or getting up out of a chair or something like that all those movements that you were talking about just before are just broken down sections of those those movements so that sort of should give you an idea of of you know where to to um limit yourself in your expectations a little bit um and it might be that you just need that guidance with with sort of different things to explore more than anything um, but it really comes down to where your recovery is at and what your, your, um, what, what your pregnancy and birth looked like and what your expectations are afterwards are often dictated by that particularly. And let's hope that every single woman, whether she's had a cesarean or a vaginal birth, gets told to roll out of bed yeah i hope that everybody gets told that but i have a feeling not everybody does so let's have a quick chat about that because it's it's if we're talking avoid sit-ups because yes please avoid sit-ups and we'll get into a bit more of the high intensity stuff um a little bit later but a sit-up movement is also getting up out of bed it's getting up out of a low couch mm-hmm. as well those things people don't think about because they're day-to-day activities mm-hmm. but that sit-up motion is something to really avoid yep. particularly with a cesarean scar well in uh, my work at the hospital i go through basics like this because um sometimes it could be once you're in the you know in hospital you've got the potentially the electric bed that goes up and down it does it for you you kind of don't realize until you get home and think oh how do I do this now so um I'm always teaching people on a flat bed what to do um and it really is what we call a log roll so you've got to keep your torso and your pelvis in one unit and using your legs and your arms to roll yourself over. It could be grabbing onto the bedside table if, if you've got that next to you, um, repositioning your, your shuffling your bottom across so you've got space to roll onto your side. Um, and just on a side note, there's um, nothing research-based about this, but just anecdotally, some women really do well rolling one way as opposed to the other. Um, not everyone, but I've had in-depth conversations with women about this and there's a general tendency that it's um, a bit sorer to roll to the side where the lead obstetrician was standing during your Caesar. I don't know if it was because there was more pulling on that side during the Caesar, but it, it, just to have a think about that. If it, Basically, if you're rolling one way and it's not feeling as good as rolling the other, maybe do a switch once you're home if that doesn't line up with your side of the bed and put the bassinet over that side if that's where you're going to put bugs um so but, but definitely avoiding that sit-up action which getting out of a, a couch especially if it's got that really sort of slung back sort of back to it um really important to use your arms to push yourself forwards before you then go to stand up 
Um, if you're lying back, especially if you're holding your baby, that's like a weighted sit-up that you're mm-hmm. doing. So if you use your arms to sort of position yourself up vertically and then use your legs to, to, to power yourself to stand up, that's the best way to get up from a chair. Um, obviously, in the early days as well, you can use your hands and try not to do it with baby in your hands. Um, but as the weeks roll on, that's how I'd sort of tackle that um, if you've got one of those low couches. Um, or even better yet, don't try and sit in the low couches in the first place. Give yourself a better chair to sit in, um, you know, if you're feeding or, or whatever. So, um, but if you do find yourself in that position, try to do it without using your abdominal muscles if you can avoid it in those first few weeks. Definitely. And, you know, everybody asks, okay, so when can I start doing high intensity exercise? And the answer is this. <laughs> there's no exact there's no answer. answer. <laughs> Sorry, but there's no exact answer because unless, you know, you're working individually with this person and you know their exact pregnancy, birth, and what they've been doing postpartum. So as an example, if you have not prioritized any sort of core rehab in early postpartum and then you move into just going for walks, which is often I hear a lot of women say, I've just been walking. And walking is great, so definitely keep walking. But if that's all you've been doing and you've just been doing the walking and you get to eight, nine, ten months and you're like, I feel like just doing something high intensity, it's been long enough, hasn't it? Yeah. The answer is that there's depth inside what you can see of your body Mm -hmm. so there's everything still healing and if you haven't been activating you know your pelvic floor your deeper abdominals if you haven't been working with those muscles then to just jump into a run at eight months postpartum not necessarily the best idea yeah i i look at that on two different levels actually um I guess it's coming back to the notion that you're getting at is just because you've served your time doesn't mean you can just go for it, okay? There's two things that I look at, um, specifically the length of time since you last did that exercise. If you can imagine, if I just put aside all of the the pregnancy, postpartum, women's health, pelvic floor stuff that I'm obviously really passionate about, but if I just took, take it on a face, face level, um, If you think about it, you are setting yourself up for some sort of an injury if you just launch straight into exercise without prepping your body. Um, So if you're talking about wanting to start, you know, there's there's a lot of programs like Couch to 5K that I've heard of and, um, you know, a friend might say, oh, yeah, I run. Do you want to come with me? Let's get into it. It's been ages. We should do it. That's you're just sort of setting yourself up for things like shin splints, knee pain, um, low back pain, foot ache, you know, all sorts of stuff. Um, and, and that's without taking into account your, um, your pregnancy and birth. So if, if you haven't sort of conditioned your body, it's really, you're really susceptible to injuring yourself. And that's just from a body um, load perspective so your body's only going to be as good as what you've trained it to do so you've got to build those things up slowly and that's why when I assess women I don't look at just the women's health stuff I'm also looking at ankle range of motion calf strength glute strength um, uh, cadence um, 
uh, so running technique, footwear, you know, there's a whole lot of stuff to think about. But if we go back to more the essence of what I know you're getting at with that question, the pelvic floor and the core work are key with this. If you haven't built that back up after your pregnancy, even though the, the healing has occurred through the Caesar itself, you just because you have no potentially no symptoms of pelvic floor dysfunction, such as incontinence or heaviness or pain or anything like that, doesn't mean your pelvic floor is capable of, of dealing with running, for example, um, or dealing with heavy weights or doing strength training or hip training or something like that. So you could have a weak pelvic floor and you get straight into those exercises and you could create a pelvic floor dysfunction without even realising it. And you don't have to be symptomatic to fall into that category is what I'm getting at. So this is where I usually recommend to women, especially if they work at those high levels, um, they get a, a pelvic floor check by a physio or at least get their, their um, obstetrician to, to ha- um, sort of assess to see where they're at because we want to go and into a lot of depth and detail about the pelvic floor function before you launch into those big big tasks for the body um and just because it's been eight months doesn't mean that it's all back to, you know fine to what you were before you you don't know that that's that's the thing and i say that a lot i really do um, mm. because it's if you've been doing just walking you haven't really been challenging it with pelvic floor exercises so we can't really expect the pelvic floor to be amazing you know um, we've got to train for it and work for it um, and by covering all those bases then we're going to make sure that when you do start those high level intensity exercises that you're not going to be um, putting yourself into a position where you really wish you'd sort of taken those steps earlier you know it's it's preventable it's preventative medicine basically yeah, exactly. And a lot of people, you know, go into these high intensity with a short term vision mm. because they want to lose weight quickly or, you know, by 12 months postpartum, they want to, you know, feel back to where they were pre-pregnancy. But the other thing to be mindful of also is what is your long-term vision? What is your long-term goal? As an example for myself, I knew after having our first that within the next couple of years, I wanted to be pregnant with our second. Hence, here I am, pregnant again. But the goal for me was to not only to feel good and confident in my body, but to also assist in the the process of that as well so if I was going to go into running and boxing and high intensity classes to get really 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 fit was that going to be assisting in then what happens in the pregnancy in then letting the buzz the body relax and unwind I'm in third trimester now and so now it's a lot about relaxing and releasing and so you sort of go in these mm. ebbs and flows as a woman and mm. it's one of the difficulties never compare yourself to a man I know that sounds really silly but we are made differently and we have ebbs and flows that they just don't have menstrual cycles you know pregnancy like all of these sort of things mm. whole nother topic <laughs> but just be mindful of where you're at and also yeah like I said that sort of long-term goal 
Yeah, well, if you can get started on building up your pelvic floor thinking that you want future children, if that's what motivates you, then awesome. That There couldn't be anything better than trying to build that up if that's your future plan. If, if, you're, if you're planning on getting pregnant, that's one of the things I would do. You know, if, if people often say, take your multivitamins, make sure you um, are exercising. Exercise your pelvic floor would be the thing that I add to that list. So, um, and it's something as women we should be doing, uh, especially after children, and I hate to say it, it's it's really lifelong. It's something that you really need to to um, to work on, even if you're not planning future children, because the more strength you have going into menopause, the better your outcomes when you get that next hormonal shift when that happens. So um, really trying to focus, like you said, on the long-term goal of everything, trying to build up a your body, um, your body's function at its, at, at its most basic level, pelvic floor would come into that. Yeah, perfect. And just one last topic that I wanted to talk about was the numbness. Mm-hmm. So a lot of women talk about this numbness and it, it might not be just initially, it can be, you know, weeks, months, years down the track. Yeah. So um, when the incision's made during a, a cesarean section um, or, or any incision on the body, for that matter, for surgery, purposes of surgery especially, you are effectively cutting the surface um, sensory nerves. So um, there will be, and it's more obvious in some women than others, but there will be some degree of numbness around the scar itself. If you are... Um, conscious of the fact that scar uh, sorry nerves take a long time to heal and I'm, t- I'm uh, when I say a long time I mean a long time I don't know the exact figure but it, I believe it's somewhere around a millimeter a month or something really slow like that and so we can't expect this numbness that could be a patch or a portion of your skin near the scar um, to recover fully quickly basically if you're uh, up to about two years later um, you can expect to see change um, even that far out after after having that surgery. But after two years, I think what you have left is kind of what you've got. There might be that degree of, of um, numbness or altered sensation. Some people notice when they get goosebumps, that area of skin doesn't get the goosebumps or it's just it feels that they can't feel sensitive touch or they can only feel if they press it firmer, which is obviously sort of setting off the nerves deeper below the skin surface. Um, so after about two years, that's about the time frame that it can take to see improvement. But after that, the chances are probably pretty slim to get to get anything more than that back. Yeah, great. Well, perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time. And I I think it's really important that women have this understanding that, yeah, as you mentioned, you've gone through major abdominal surgery. And in terms of expectations on yourself, just take a step back. Never actually want to push to see how far you can go. I think that's key because it's like, oh, I could walk one kilometer yesterday. So let's just do two tomorrow and see if that makes me feel worse. And it's like, well, just keep progressing slowly and never actually feel exhausted or um, that you've pushed too hard. Yeah. And that's 
Don't constantly find your limit. There's no point to that. Yeah. There's definitely no point, especially in those first few months. And just being mindful that um, you need to be kind to yourself. And as you know, we've spoken about in previous podcasts, it's also looking after your mindset and, you know, your hormones and everything else that's sort of playing around at the at the time. So there's a lot happening, including lack of sleep and rest good nutrition and just, you know, taking it easy and getting some gentle movement are all key in your recovery. So if you combine all of that, then, um, yeah, then it's definitely going to help. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time, Beth. No worries. Thanks for having me. Wow. Some really great tips there from women's health physiotherapist, Beth Scott, and hopefully you can apply some of them for you, whether you're pregnant now or whether you've had a cesarean section and looking after yourself. So, so, so important. As always, head over to pregactive.com for the show notes for more details. Thanks for listening to the Pregactive Podcast. We love hearing from you, so leave us a comment or a review. And hey, even request a future podcast when you head over to the show notes at pregactive.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, share it with a friend because the more, the merrier. I'll see you next time.